0: for it
1: okay well thank you again so much um our we're basically here today to discuss our october clearance jobs book club pick which was mission career transition a career change guide for intelligence military foreign affairs national security and other government professionals and chatting with us today is allison bowmeister who authored the book "Been a career in the intelligence community and then survived the um, lived to tell the tale and then talked about it in this book. And again, it was a great career resource. Um, we gave away um, e-versions of the book to a lot of folks who visited the Clarence job site and requested them. And as you know, Allison, when you're trying to transition out of the national security community, you can feel um, like there aren't a ton of resources out there to let you know how to do it. And there's also no one clear direct path to getting to what that looks like. And the book also talked about that. It's not necessarily that you're going to jump into the private sector or, you know, go from the military to a government agency. And you talk about all the different options that are out there and you give a lot of practical tips and really in a workbook format that people can work their way through, which I thought was very helpful. So thank you so much for chatting with me. Thank you for your career and your service. Um, just walk me through a little bit about why you decided to write this book and what you experienced when you were transitioning out of the CIA.
0: Well, Lindy, thank you so much for inviting me to join you. It's really an honor to be here and to talk with you a little bit about my pandemic project was this book. Um, I wrote this book because when I left my agency at the end of 2011, There really were no resources other than our own career transition program and a course um, that my agency has called Horizons that kind of you thinking about life after. Um, When I left the agency, I didn't really understand what marketable skills I had. And so it was a really scary time. I had never worked in private industry. I came to CIA right out of college. And so, you know, you spend a career in intelligence or military or national security, and you have kind of a very specific skill set, and it's hard to understand which of those skills might be most marketable outside of your government sector. So I I really wrote the book to try to convey the lessons that I learned about that, and also to share the wisdom of 33 other professionals who successfully transitioned. Uh, That that was kind of the the genesis of the book.
1: And walk me through that. I thought that was one of the really useful parts about it is obviously you have your area of expertise and you are kind of an expert in the human resources realm and have that breadth of knowledge. But you also brought in um, individual responses and quotes from other people who you maybe worked with in the past or encountered. How did you kind of curate the list of professionals um, that provided their feedback and input into the book?
0: I, I wanted to have a pretty diverse agency representation. Well, I started out focusing just on the intelligence community. And as I went on, I realized that there was more value to making it broader than that. And so, I you know I started out by reaching out to people I had worked with, but then also asking them for recommendations of colleagues in other government agencies. Some of them were people that I had worked with overseas from other government agencies. Um, I I basically. Sent out sort of 50 invitations to participate and a couple people weren't comfortable with it. A couple of people were in the middle of you know geographic moves to take new jobs. A couple of them. Um, just weren't interested or felt that they didn't have anything that they could contribute, so I was really happy with the level of participation that I had.
1: Great. And then you found, I think one of the things that was helpful that the book walked through is that there's no, again, one clear path out. So of those 33 perspectives, there was a really, you know, you had diverse voices and experiences. So what are maybe the things that are universal, though, for folks as they transition out? Common questions that people had, um, common takeaways or threads that you were like, oh, I wish I'd, I really wish I'd known this before before I transitioned or in that critical first six months?
0: I think there are a couple of things that I wish I had known. Um, One would be that who you are is not what you do. So you've just spent the last 30 years thinking that who you are is an FBI agent. Right? Or who you are is a State Department Foreign Service officer, that isn't really who you are. You are a whole person with other interests, with family, with hobbies, with dreams, with emotions. And so you you need to kind of make the mental shift and realize that your professional position doesn't define who you are. And your value doesn't come from that. That was one thing that I wish I had been told to focus on. Uh, Another is that you have like really wide range of emotions when you're getting ready to leave government, whether you're leaving at mid career or whether you're leaving at the end of, you know, a full career of service. You're going to be nervous. You're going to be excited. Um, I was anxious. You're going to feel proud of your service because. What you did was really important, Um, it's overwhelming. You'll be eager to figure out what's next. It's exhausting. You know, you might feel intellectually curious about exploring other areas. I felt unqualified, so. But I felt liberated leaving, so there's like all this crazy range of emotions And all of that is perfectly natural. Nobody walks out the door and says, huh, I got this. It is totally normal to feel all kinds of things. And you just need to give yourself the grace to be tolerant of the fact that it's an adjustment period. Another thing I wish that I had been told is that career transition is an opportunity. It's... You should shift your frame of mind to a positive outlook that it is a chance to explore new things, to remake yourself. To learn things to explore. It it's whatever you make out of it, and you can either spend the time kind of lamenting. The sense of loss and the things that you're leaving behind, or you can grasp it and go for it and develop new capabilities and interests, and, you know, explore your broader self. Uh, I think also, I wish that people had told me to do a fair amount of self-assessment upfront. Really look at yourself, um, think about what motivates you, what skills you have that you would like to use in your next job and which ones you don't want to use. Um, All that assessment up front will keep you maybe from making a wrong fit move. And people make wrong fit moves all the time, and then you just end up having to move again. But the more time you spend looking at yourself and what you really want and what you enjoy and don't enjoy uh, and what matters to you, the chances are higher if you do that of having a good fit. Next step. Also, whatever you do next is not a forever decision. Uh, this, this was like reassuring after talking to all these other people. Most of us have moved several times. Um, I would say, you know, discounting those people who just retired retired. Um, all those who went on to do something else. I can only think of one or two people who are still in that same first position out of government. It's okay to do something for a little while and then do something else. In my case, I went to the defense contracting industry because it was familiar and I wanted to learn about business, how it worked. But I was not comfortable enough to go completely out on my own. I didn't know what I had to market. And so taking that kind of interim step and working in the defense contracting industry allowed me to stay close to the flagpole and still learn about private industry and how it supported government in my case. Um, And then... You know, after I developed some business savvy and and a new set of skills, I had more confidence to go out on my own.
1: Yeah, you you brought up a great point. And again, one of the highlights of the book. So again, this is Lindy Kaiser, Senior Editor of Clearance Jobs, talking to Allison Beaumaster, who is the author of Mission, Career Transition, which is our October Clearance Jobs book Club book. Um, and there are self-assessments throughout the book, which I one of the most useful things I thought um, about it um just a number of like checklists really workbook questions that folks can work their way through to so kind of even walk through like how did you decide what kind of self-assessment questions to include in the book mm-hmm. and why is that self-assessment so important for folks transitioning out taking that time to kind of think through their career transition
0: um i selected the worksheets that I used, because after spending seven years in the defense contracting industry, I, I sort of had this epiphany and came to realize that what I was really passionate about was helping people find their way. I had an experience working with a young man who was recently out of college and was kind of struggling to find what he wanted to do next. And by kind of mentoring him and and guiding him and helping him think about what his skills were, it it had a lot of impact on me personally to see him succeed, to see him find his way. And it, it was so gratifying to me that I decided to pursue a certification as a career coach. So that's kind of my third career, and that's what I'm doing now. Um, and and in career coaching, you get exposed to a lot of different assessments. So uh, I I use an assessment tool called DISC, and I have several versions of it that really helps you think about what your motivators are and what your values are and what your work style is, your behavior in in the workplace. And I came up with my worksheets based upon my coaching practice. So. You know, a key component of that is your financial readiness to leave the job that you're in. So a lot of us reach a point where you're not necessarily living paycheck to paycheck and you start to like not have a sense of how much you're spending on different things each month. But if you're going to walk out the door from a pretty stable government job, you really need to think about what your salary expectations should be and whatever you do next and so to do that you need to calculate how much you're spending how much you're taking in if you're getting a pension or if you have investments that you're then using to live on so financial readiness i think it was an important part of any discussion with somebody who wants to leave also kind of thinking about what level of ambition you want to have in the next thing that you do do you want to be an alpha dog and, and become a CEO of some big corporation? And if you do, what's driving you to do that? How important is that to you? How important is it to have a big title? How important is it to have a big salary? Um, if those things don't matter so much to you, what does matter? What kind of work environment matters? Um, what are your priorities? The The people that I interviewed The most important thing to them in their first step out of government was the mission of their employer. Uh, It really was brought home to me that people who work for the government are not necessarily driven by money. and Some of them are, but some of them are not driven by power. Um, A lot of them really want to make a difference in protecting our country and in national security. And so they wanted to look for a new employer that had a mission that they could get behind. And that mission might be building tractors. As long as you're building the very best tractors and you can get behind it, then that's a great next step for you. The mission of the employer was the number one selection criteria for people that I interviewed leaving government. The second one was compensation. you know, proximity to home and commute was pretty important. Um, the The flexibility to work from home, which now, like, we all have to do. But at the time I did the interviews, um, that was important to a lot of people, but they didn't necessarily have to do it.
1: Yeah. Well, you made that interesting point because I've talked to a few people who have worked for the CIA or in the intelligence community, and that has been a time when they've decided to make the jump out into the private sector, specifically the mid-career mark was started having kids, families, wanted more flexibility and couldn't get that from within the Intel community as of, you know, a year ago or five years ago. So right. for me, especially you know, being with clearance jobs, it's very interesting. We're watching pretty closely how this is kind of shifting things how the national security national security community is thinking about that, I think that is a, a big component now. You know, folks might be able to to have more longevity within the IC as a career as they see more flexibility coming up. And and that's and that's kind of a bright spot of all this.
0: I think there are a lot of initiatives underway in the various agencies about You know how can they accommodate the need for some people to be able to work from home for a period of time, especially if you have young kids at home, and they're homeschooling. uh, It's very challenging time to be juggling an intelligence career, and you know having your kids at home.
1: Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see. You know, to see how how all that shifts. And you brought up a point that I think was worth you know touching on again. We talk a lot at clearance jobs because of the significant demographic. Um, that that's a common statistic that I can't I can't remember. We just cited it in a white paper, so I should know. But service members very frequently leave their first post-military job after a year or two. Yep. So that's almost yep. that first job in the military is common is commonly a testing ground. They're deciding what they like and they don't like. It's their first time after a 20-year career, you know, in in with one specific employer. So that's not surprising that you would find the same things within the intelligence community. Um, is that something, you know, that even in talking to the folks that you you surveyed and discussed with, is that just to be expected and, and common? Are there things that people could do to keep that from happening? Or is that just, that's just kind of what's going to happen because it's your first time experiencing a different employer and you're going to learn a lot regardless?
0: I think it's very common. I think the average time is probably 18 months in the first job. And I put no judgment on that anymore. I stayed three years at my first employer. um, Because I enjoyed it and I liked the team I was working with, but um, there's nothing wrong with leaving that first job out of government. I think especially for service members who leave they're used to working in a very structured environment and to go into a world that's less structured um, with where you're you you do not wear your your rank and your title on your sleeve anymore that's a significant adjustment period that that a lot of people struggle with and so it, it takes a little time to kind of find your way and figure out how you fit and several of the service members that I interviewed struggled with that a little bit because they had a built-in network. And once you're out, it's harder to stay connected with those people.
1: Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I think it's just, you know, kind of knowing knowing what job you want to go into after so many years of there's more flexibility now, but there there isn't the same, you know, Sometimes you're in a career track and you you follow that career track. And so then you move into the private sector. And it's sometimes not until you get in there that you realize all the breadth of opportunities. Um, talk a little bit about it, how to from, from being in a national security career track to going to a different career track. What we see is really common is, is what you kind of referenced at the beginning. A lot of people come out with a ton of different skills that all apply to their agency or their occupation, but it can almost almost fall under like a Jack of all trades type of a problem. And the, one of the hardest things is consolidating a 20 year career into a two to three page resume and actually narrowing down a specific job that you, that you want to do. How important is that? How, are there steps to take to make that easier?
0: my My recommendation is really that that resume be skills-based when when i get particularly military resumes it's this chronological list of acronyms and bases and budgets and like it doesn't translate to a private sector experience but if you think about the the skills, particularly the soft skills that you have that are in demand in the private sector. Um, part of my book research was to try to narrow down what the most marketable skills were from those people who had left. I asked them to give me what were your 10 most marketable skills when you left based upon the job that you got next and it was really useful um i was able to put those skills into five bins and then in each of those bins there's a bunch of skills that fit so the top one was leadership and teamwork and and i I can go through the sort of sub list of skills under each of these but leadership and teamwork analytics and problem solving was the second skill area third one was communication and then soft skills or people skills and then the last one was specific technical expertise and if you're a technical person working for the government you know a lot of service members have specific technical skills that they're using that like weapon systems like don't necessarily have anything comparable on the outside Or if you're a science and technology officer for the CIA, you might have specific technologies that you work with, but then you have to think about, do you want to work with those same technical skills or do you want to branch out to something else? So under leadership and teamwork, these were the things that my survey group said were their most marketable skills. Demonstrated proven leadership ability managing change and uncertainty, so planned versus reactive response, institutional leadership, understanding the mission faster than anyone else and how to stay focused on it, understanding of leadership in an organization, Um, understanding and the ability to execute in the broader context of the national security enterprise. So, these are kind of bullets that they would use to sell themselves critical decision making skills willingness to take calculated risks risk identification and mitigation these are things that companies need crisis management risk management working with others teamwork team building collaboration coordination global perspective and experience especially now Companies need a diversity of ideas and experiences and people. So, if you have that global experience and perspective from having served all over the world, that is a commodity that you should be talking about. Um, analytic and problem solving skills. While you can't talk specifically about classified problems that you solve, you can be general about it in giving examples. Um, for example, analytics. So, you know, m- maybe you were serving in a place where there was a difficult bilateral relationship with another government. So, you know, diagnosing what the problems were in that relationship, finding the causes and trying to then come up with potential solutions to solve it. Or if you If you were working with technical equipment, you know, identifying the causes for a technical failure and then finding solutions to resolving it. You don't have to go into what what specific classified technical was. Um, recognizing research models that maybe aren't valid. Those are the kinds of analytic skills that translate to the private sector. Um, Critical thinking. Gathering information, considering sourcing and gaps, drawing conclusions, assessing, um, deep study of materials. You need your corporate executives to be able to really deeply study a problem to solve it. Um, interpreting big events overseas and applying those skills to a broader set of issues, problem solving, gathering data synthesizing it, distilling it, communicating the outcome to a leader who then has to make a decision on it. Those are intelligence skills. Those are corporate senior executive skills. Just the problem set is different. Mm -hmm. Um, Communication skills. People who work in government tend to be very strong communicators verbally and in writing. So I'm not going to spend much time talking about that briefing. So, you know, the soft skills. If you can talk about. Your behavioral and communication style and working with a team, it will help a hiring manager. Think about how you fit onto their team. Uh, When a company has a vacancy. It's because there's a problem that they can't solve and they need help solving it. So if if you can do some research on the industry that you're going into, figure out what their big problems are and then think about how you can contribute to solving those problems. That's a value proposition that you can bring. So these skill lists are in in the book. I found it a really valuable exercise to go through with the people I interviewed to come up with these lists. They're they're using business terms to describe the skill sets that they had inside government.
1: No, I think mean, that's great. I think there's so many resources out there and information about doing that on a military resume, but it's equally as important if you've had a career in government or the national security space to be able to translate your skills and like you said, I love that way of framing it. Every, every open position is a problem that needs to be solved. So how do you show your problem-solving capabilities? And obviously, people who have worked in government, and especially within the IC, mission-focused, great problem solvers. So that's a great way to tackle every job opening that you look at, especially if you identify a position that you like, look at it as a problem to be solved, which again, national security workforce, excellent at doing that. And so consider a, consider a job opportunity the same way. So the last thing I wanted to touch on, um, it's always an issue and something we talk about in our industry is the social networking piece of it. So you touched on that a bit in the book. We know that NCSC and the FBI just released their kind of um, parallel to the UK's Think Before You Link campaign, which was launched last year. So mm-hmm. you were, folks are active online now. How do you go from that transition of having no presence to thinking about what a presence what being on social media might look like and and especially knowing again that we have you know Kevin Mallory and folks are trolling you know social media platforms and looking for people with with that skill set so you kind of have a target on your back to begin with
0: right right and, and filtering and then- through those requests that you get from people so a lot of us have gone from zero to a pretty high profile Social media presence. And I would really encourage you to do it mindfully. Um, You know, start out with very basic social media profile or presence for yourself. Be careful about the language that you use. You don't have to be specific. You can start by saying, US government. You'll want to get approval from your agency in terms of what you put online. And once it's out there, it's out there, so. Be careful when you put in your chronology of jobs that. um, Like like you can't change it once it's there. Once you say you've had a job somewhere, you can't just go up. Nope, never mind. Uh, So I I would say be methodical about it. Look around at the social media presence of people who left before you and see what theirs look like. Talk with them about how they set theirs up. Um, It's it's good to. Use networking tools that are available to you. More than 80% of jobs are filled through personal and professional networking. So blindly, you know, applying to a vacancy online has a very low chance of success. Um, Through clearance jobs, it's probably higher than that, but in general, I I think probably hundreds and hundreds of people apply for the same position. And you really have to think about how you're going to distinguish yourself from dozens of equally qualified candidates. But um, don't do it by putting sensational things out there. Prospective employers do check you out. So. Um, not having a presence. Now is the exception. I personally feel like you need to have some sort of online profile so that you appear to be legitimate. Um, it, it doesn't have to be in in a ton of detail. Try to use as much c- um, commercial terminology as you can. I believe that Mark Kelton did a video about this recently, and it might, might even be on YouTube about setting up a social media presence for yourself. Um, I would encourage you to do it. I would suggest that you not rush.
1: Mm-hmm. Well Kevin, being thoughtful taking your time and translating, like you said, it's a it's a good exercise in doing that and seeing how the skills that you have that are very agency or government specific, broadening those out to be more general and that's kind of what should be you know the public facing aspect of your profile and what you share is things that are more general and again just following kind of you know what the uk and now the us are saying is about thinking before you link with someone online right right, making sure you kind of know that person or have some you know some affiliation um because i think that's hard too when you're starting from network zero there is such a desire to build that up, especially if you're a competitive person or a career-oriented person. Um, but you know, there are people online that will be very quick to connect with you, and probably for all of the wrong reasons. So, being thoughtful yeah. and having quality network, because, like you said, those 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 hidden market job opportunities which are very real, being being filled up through networks, those are only going to come out through people that you know, people that you have that you work to connect with, not just someone that you a button to connect
0: with well the biggest takeaway of all with all these interviews is that you should be networking with the formers from your agency start there because those people can help you they can help you vet your resume they can help connect you with people in business who might be looking for people like you they can give you sage advice and everybody is willing to be helpful so Everybody I interviewed, without exception, said, I wish that I had talked with people who had left a year or two or five or ten before I did, that I had talked with more of them because they were super helpful.
1: Well, that is a great tip to end on. And again, this is Lennie Kaiser, Senior Editor of Clarence Jobs. I'm talking about Mission Career transi- Transition, Mission career transition. I'll get it out, a career change guide for intelligence, military, foreign affairs, national security, and other government professionals. Thank you so much, Allison Bommaster, for taking the time to chat with me today. I really appreciate it.
0: Lindy, thanks so much. It's been great.
1: Awesome. Let's see if I, how long it takes me to figure out how to turn off the recording. Stop recording. There we go.